Did you know that every major diaper company either financially or vocally supports abortion? If that appalls you and you're looking to support a baby brand that aligns with your pro-life, pro-family views, then every life is your solution. Every life firmly believes that regardless of where someone is from, what they look like, or whether they were planned or unplanned, every baby is a miracle from God worthy of love, protection, and celebration. Every Life offers high-performing, supremely soft, premium diapers and wipes delivered right to your doorstep. Their diapers are crafted without fragrances, dyes, lotions, latex, parabens, or phthalates. And you can feel good knowing that every purchase with Every Life contributes to changing lives through their support of pro-life organizations and pregnancy resource centers. Every Life is not just changing diapers, they're changing lives. Visit everylife.com to learn more. That's everylife.com. And don't forget to use promo code Duffy10 for an exclusive 10% discount on your first order today. Hey everyone, welcome to From the Kitchen Table. I'm Sean Duffy along with my co-host for the podcast, my partner and wife, and my life, Rachel Campos Duffy. Sean, it's so great to be here back at the kitchen table. I know you're not the hugest fan of the royal family. You certainly aren't someone who bought the book, but a lot of people did. Um, I mean, millions. It is now the fastest growing, I guess, nonfiction out there it's sold let me get you the number here because it's 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 incredible 1.4 million copies um it's basically set a guinness record as the fastest selling nonfiction book of all time now remember that's not the only source of income for harry and megan they've made upwards of a hundred million dollars on their netflix documentary that docu-series that you did watch with me. And also, uh, they have the Spotify deal, which is another $25 million. So it makes me sad that you can make that much money off of trashing your family. But in the process, I think, um, and, and it, it, every time you think it can't get any worse, it gets worse with every interview. He is absolutely, you know, dishing it to sell this thing. And it's working. And we've already heard, Sean, that there, there are going to be more books coming. He said he actually cut out a lot because he didn't think his father and brother would ever forgive him if he put that stuff in, but says he has all kinds of other material. And now we also heard that Meghan Markle has a book. So just when you think there's no more appetite for what they have to offer, the money is telling the the publishers that, yeah, there is. Yeah. You know, I look at this and I've been in this conversation kicking and screaming uh, most the whole way, Rachel. Um, but again, there is an appetite for these two individuals, for the royal family, and you know they're, they're getting they're getting filthy rich off it. But it costs a lot of money to fly around in private planes and, and talk about global warming. Yeah. That's true, and have massive yeah, homes in the states. Yeah. Yep, mm-hmm. and and you know big cars, and you, you know you also need a staff to take care of your kids. So that costs cash, and if you have to trash your family to uh, to pay for all those basic life necessities as a royal well there you have it but you know for this i i think this is a a, a more fascinating conversation cuz it is about the royals but it's really about families and i think 
there's a lot to learn from the Rell family, not about what to do, but what not, Maybe, to, but do not to do as a family. And um, right. if and, you're and doing Sean, what the Royals are doing, take a second look to go, well, maybe that's not the right path for our family because the Royals do the same thing. <laughs> the same thing. And you mentioned Evita's article. You're right. She wrote a, a great piece at The Federalist, right. um, which, by the way, just as a side note, I'm really proud of because I think um, every family is is messy and crazy and especially ours with nine kids. But I read this and I go, you know what? I feel really proud of of the young woman that we raised because I think she gets the heart of family and life as as she wrote this wonderful piece. It's called The Five Valuable Lessons Families Can Learn from Harry and Meghan's Royal Rift. It's at The Federalist. You can, um, you know, look up, you know, just put that into your Google search and you will find it. And she, she discusses these five lessons that we can all learn because what's the point of... <laughs> hearing all of this if you don't learn anything from it. And so the first thing that she says is that in a family, the parents' relationship comes first. And that's something, Sean, that you and I, we're pretty good about that. Um, we've always sort of very early on realized that we were going to be a united front for uh, when the kids try to divide us, because that's what kids try to do when they want to get their way. Um, that we're going to be a united front. Um, you've probably been the best person of the two of us about making sure that we go on you know, away, we get away, not just for date nights, but you love the idea of us getting away several times a year, just the two of us. Um, and we've been blessed that our, my mom, when we were younger, um, could help us with that. And, and my mom and dad would take our our kids as many as we wanted, as long as we wanted. Um, so we go on vacation together and, and remember why we got married. Um, but now we actually have older kids who will come back so we can get away for a little holiday. But we've always been pretty good about saying this is the most important thing. And what she's notices in that, what she discusses in this article and writes about is that obviously, I mean, that's the first thing you, you realize when you hear any of this stuff from, from Harry is that he's still very much broken up about his, not just his mom and dad's death, but clearly upset divorced. about the divorce and the fact that he remarried Camilla and actually begged, he uh, discloses in the book that he begged his, him and William both begged his dad not to marry her, um, Camilla, because, you know, obviously they didn't want that. They didn't want a stepmom. You know, the, the divorces are real. Families get broken up. It's, it's, it's a reality of, of a reality of life. It, yes. it happens. But in this family and in every family, the, the example that the parents set for the children is really the only example oftentimes that they have. Now they might see grandparents, but the closest, the closest example of a family is the family that their parents have with, with them. And, as you mentioned, the royals, their families were their family was absolutely shattered, and it wasn't shattered even in a in a private sense. It was shattered incredibly publicly, and it was written about and talked about. Um, there was there was no hiding what was happening inside the family because it was global news. And I look at I just look at our us, Rachel, and yeah, it, we can we try to get away, um, which is really nice. We'll try to do date nights. We should do more of it, but you know we we make sure. that effort, but. What I find is just a very simple thing that we do is if we've both been going crazy, you're here and I'm there and we're crisscrossing, when we get back together, um, we miss our kids, we want to update from the kids, but oftentimes you and I'll sit down and you and I will prioritize the two of us catching up. Yeah, sure. Where have we been? What yeah. have we been doing? 
And after we're caught up, then we'll start to catch up with the kids. And I think they see, they, yeah. they can, they, by the way, they get frustrated, frustrated by that sometimes. But it also shows that um, we, we, this bond between you and me are the most important thing. And I think that example, though, sometimes they're like, hey, I got stories to tell you and I want to tell. But they also go, hey, when I get married, I want to have um, a repeat of the example that I had from my parents. And they don't, it doesn't come from osmosis. It comes from, you know, learning. If the parents fall apart. If the parents fall apart, the, the whole the whole un, the whole system falls apart, and that's why it's most important. It's not that kids aren't important; it's not that their yeah. needs aren't important. But if the mom and dad are not together and united, um, you know, whether it's in a in a in a divorce situation or an intact family marriage, um, th- that has to be the center, and the kids come from there. In the case of Harry, uh, of uh, uh, Diana, and um, Charles, it wasn't just that it was a very public divorce that obviously the tabloids were um, interested in, but that the parents were using the tabloids against each other, which was also, you know, causing much more drama than needed. And and there were lots of problems going on. So the next thing that Evita says in her, you know, five lessons is that family dinner is important. So in the case of the Royal Sean, there wasn't much chance for a family dinner because the, it wasn't just because of the divorce and all that. It's that at the age of eight, these kids were taken to boarding school. And so that they were, and there was always a history um, in these royal families of the, you know, Queen Elizabeth was raised by, you know, a, a nanny and staff. And the same thing happened with with Charles. And then, of course, um, it carries on with these kids. And, and in the case of the kids, Sean, as soon as they, you know, the mother died, it, or even during the divorce, they probably needed their parents more than ever to help navigate that. And it's one of these times that if you if you do it often, that people gather around, as human beings, There's we're very social around food. Um, it's time that you, when you have your fork and your knife in your hand, you can't have a phone in your hand, right? It's really good. It's the it's the business of eating and talking, um, and it's it's a consistent whether it's twenty minutes or forty minutes. You're all together, um, and lives and culture today are are so busy and so fast. So much is going on. It's it's hard. So Vita, who wrote this, we did this all the time when she was growing up until I went to Congress. And oftentimes I was gone for family dinners. But we but still you... had we still had our weekend family dinners, and we still. I made sure that even when you weren't there, that me and the kids had a dinner together, Mm -hmm. um, sit down dinner. We're we're really big on that. And there's a lot of there's a lot of studies on the benefits of family dinner. It's not just family bonding, which obviously is so important, but they've actually shown that kids who have a, you know, at least multiple times a week, even just one time a week of a sit down family dinner they're less likely to do drugs. They have better grades. They're less likely to have premarital sex. I mean, there's the statistics on it is actually astounding, the benefit that comes from family dinner. And I think in the case of, you know, if, if you just listen to the interviews um, with Harry and the little bit you get from the other half of the family, it's very clear that you know, they're they're an important family historically, but there were a lot of missing pieces in terms of that kind of bonding. And I think the most basic was if your kids in boarding school, it's probably hard to 
to do a family dinner. Yeah, um, but I bet when they came home from boarding school, they probably still didn't have dinner together. Um, or before they went to boarding school, uh, I'm sure Charles and Diana were not having dinner together. They probably, what it appears, they, they didn't like each other a whole lot. I think it's important to, you, you may not have dinner every night together because it's just crazy, but if you're able to have a family dinner, whether it's two or four Saturday, times, Sunday, five, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, try to do it as much as you Even can. Even if it's just once. You're right. Even if it's just once a week, maybe your family is so crazy that you just can't do it except Sundays, but it has to become sacred. 30% of families in America eat together. That means, you know, the rest don't. And so that's a big deal. And, and people have a lot of extracurricular activities. You know, Sean, how I feel about extracurricular activities. If they interfere with family dinners, I think family dinners are way more important. And a lot of people are running around. I know that's controversial in the sports-centric country that we live in. And, you know, so many families, you know, they don't even just have one sport for their kids. Their kids are in multiple things. And what ends up happening is that mom and dad become chauffeurs. And that sense of family starts to break down. I think that's one of the hardest things to do as parents is to find that balance and to make sure that all of these other demands that are pretty recent you know you know a couple generations ago people didn't have four different sports they did you know what i mean and there weren't practices every single day and there weren't you know travel soccer teams i mean this is a lot of stuff that going and then sean if you add in the distractions that come from social media i mean where do families find that time to bond? So that I think is one of the what, one of the really important lessons yeah, that the, we could learn from that family. They just don't seem sufficiently bonded enough, um, and and maybe it's as simple as a dinner. And I think if you start doing family, if you don't have family dinners, but you start doing them, what you'll probably find is your kids will after you do it for you know whether it's a month or or two months they'll they will love it and if you don't do it then they'll go hey why don't we have family dinner again uh so you, yeah. really, you really touch them when they, they can complain about it all they want but if you stop they're like hey hey why what's going on why, why, why are we having family yeah. dinner tonight or what's going on what's and by happening? the way sean you bring up a good point that if they haven't if you haven't done that in a while with your family start maybe the first few times may not may be rough right you know but you just got to stick with it because they're they may not be used to that and it may be awkward so maybe you want to have, I just saw a thing on Instagram that was so great. They actually talked about some of the questions that you and I asked, but it was like five ways to, um, you know, five different questions you can ask at family dinner. Uh, I just saw it on Instagram. Several of the questions were questions that we've asked our kids, like, you know, what's, what's the best thing and the worst thing that happened to you today? Or, you know, what's, if you were, if you were an animal, what animal would you be, you know, kind of depending on the ages of the kids, but you really learn a lot about your kids, not just what they did that day, but you want to get to know your child. And sometimes just sitting down with no pressure, enjoying a nice meal. There's just no substitute. There's a lot of laughter that comes, a lot of jokes that come, funny experiences that came from the day. Stories Um, you didn't know about that happened at school that suddenly come out. I mean, that's how you learn. You're hearing about their friends, who they are, what they do, how they interact, which is wonderful. Um, and they're learning how to communicate and how to be in those settings, which is a life skill. It, it, it really is. Yeah. I thought the next uh, issue that Avita brought up was was fascinating. It's that you are your brother's keeper. And so if we look at uh, these, you know, Harry and William, obviously this brotherhood is broken. There's a lot of animosity. Um, a lot of family history and angst uh, between uh, the two of them. Um, and now it's obviously playing out 
pu- publicly. Um, I just, I, and again, I know you're going to talk more about the Royals, Rachel, but I find what's fascinating, you uh, have probably your, your closest friend is your sister. Um, yeah. And what Evita mentions, and this is so true in the, in, in the piece, is no one has the experience, the life experience that you have with your siblings. Right, how the the, yeah. the the home that you're raised in, the boarding school trips that you went off to if you're a royal, um, <laughs> the, the, uh, your mother your mother dying of a, a parental divorce, like no one lived that um, like you except for your siblings. siblings, and yeah. that that bond is uh, of experience is very real um, and really important. And when they get broken, I think it's it's tragic because. In really difficult times, whether it's you know in, in in work or in health or in life or in marriage, to rely on your family members who know you the best um, is really important, um, and they yeah. don't really have that together now, which I think is really shameful. It's really sad because and and, and here's the thing is we don't know the whole story. I mean, and, and, and by the way, we'll play a clip here. You know, what, let's play this clip right here of of Prince Harry in one of his um, interviews. Let's play that. This is the other side of the story, right? After 38 years, they've told their side of the story. This is the other side of the story. And there's a lot in here that, you know, perhaps makes people feel uncomfortable and scared. Yeah, I mean, you can tell Charles and William Archer (laughs) of what else he's got up his sleeve. But you notice how he says it's them versus us. So it's William, Harry, Kate, Camila versus Meghan and Harry. And it didn't appear early on that that was always the case, Sean. Um, there was, uh, you know, the brothers were tight. Uh, they only had each other to, to, as you mentioned, who else has been through this experience? Not just this very public, horrible divorce that their parents went through, embarrassing um, in many ways uh, because of the stuff that each side divulged about each other, but also, you know, this death. And they were very young, um, and William and Harry were super, super tight, it appeared. Uh, And then when William married Kate, it was sort of like they were, the three of them seemed really powerful. And then Megan entered into the scene and perhaps some of the, the cracks started to show more, or maybe, maybe she, she, you know, created some of them. We'll, we'll never really know the full story. But the point is that as Avina brings up in this excellent piece, you know, they're making lots of celebrity friends out there in Hollywood, um, but no one is going to love and care about Harry the way his family, his family does, and specifically the way his sibling. And I really, I think most people who look at the, the sadness around what has happened in this rift, um, I think what they really are reacting to is seeing these two brothers who should love each other, who should have each other's back, um, separated. And in the case of Harry, really throwing out um, some things that are really hard to take back. Now, Harry would say, Sean, that William, through his press office, um, was doing what his father used to do to his mother, which is, you know, feeding stories to the press to make himself look better and make his brother look worse. That's what that's Harry's side of the story, for sure. But in any case, seeing siblings um, trash each other like this is is just really sad. No, it is. And I think the lesson here um, for any family is make sure you um, encourage those those brotherly and sisterly bonds 
Yes. And every family, yes. right? Our, we always well fight with our siblings, right? That's a, that's part of growing up. We've we've fight and tease, and it, that's that happens. But it's and we see this in our own family. And you're really good about this. Uh, you tell our kids when they're fighting and being mean to each other that your best friends will in 20 years or 30 years from now will not be your yeah. best friends in seventh grade right now. It'll be your sisters that you're being yeah. so mean to right now. And um, again, there's a, a number of different ways, but trying to make sure that they have experiences together um, and and bonding um, through all kinds of different avenues, whether it's the, the family dinner, whether it's traditions that we have, which we talked about on other podcasts, whether it's at you know, Easter and Christmas and Thanksgiving and the Fourth of July, or on on you know every Sunday, those traditions bond them and connect them, um, and that through life is incredibly important. And I do think it's natural for for siblings to be bound, but it's also important for parents to help facilitate that, especially in those relationships of siblings where they can be you know pretty gnarly. You know, one sibling can be a yeah. lot meaner to, you know, the sibling that's four years younger or five years younger and they can tease them all the time. Making sure that you're stepping in and helping navigate that to curate this really strong relationship, I think is is the lesson and the takeaway of what yeah. didn't happen I between love- these two brothers. We'll have more of this conversation after this. Did you know that every major diaper company either financially or vocally supports abortion? If that appalls you and you're looking to support a baby brand that aligns with your pro-life, pro-family views, then every life is your solution. Every life firmly believes that regardless of where someone is from, what they look like, or whether they were planned or unplanned, every baby is a miracle from God worthy of love, protection, and celebration. Every Life offers high-performing, supremely soft, premium diapers and wipes delivered right to your doorstep. Their diapers are crafted without fragrances, dyes, lotions, latex, parabens, or phthalates. And you can feel good knowing that every purchase with Every Life contributes to changing lives through their support of pro-life organizations and pregnancy resource centers. Every Life is not just changing diapers, they're changing lives. Visit everylife.com to learn more. That's everylife.com. And don't forget to use promo code Duffy10 for an exclusive 10% discount on your first order today. And I love how you talk about the example that parents can set. So, you you know, my sister is my best, my best friend. Your brother, Pat, I'd say is your best friend. And they see us all the time talking to them. They also see, see me and, and my sister getting fights. And I remember once one of our siblings, you know, I got in a, a, a big fight with my sister and they're like, why are you still talking? I'm like, she's my sister. <laughs> you don't just like, you know, that's your sister. You, you fight, you get mad at each other. Maybe you cool off for a day or two and then you call each other to talk about what shoes are on sale that she needs to get. Um, that's just how it should be in families. You don't get to choose your family. Um, that's the family you get. And they're in your, they're in your life for a reason. God put, I always tell us to the kids, God put, that sister that you're, you know, struggling with getting along with so bad, she's in your life for a reason. You're supposed to learn something from her. God gave her to you and you to her. And so you're, you guys are going to have to work this out because that these are lifelong relationships. I think the trip that we took, Sean, uh, recently, we took a little family vacation with our kids. And I, to me, it was a beautiful location. It was a beautiful vacation. Um, the cocktails were good. <laughs> That was not it. For me, the best part of our family vacation that we needed, because boy, did we work hard over the the Christmas break, um, filling in for a lot of people here at Fox, but we took that time off with our family. The best part for me was watching the kids interact with each other, 
seeing how much they they took care of each other and hung out and laughed and shared stories from from their childhood i to me it was absolutely priceless yeah we took time away and again it was important because some of our kids are out of the house making sure they have time to all bond together in the same place is important but Kids are bonding, whether they're playing dolls together or they're playing, you know, they're building forts together outside in the summer or playing sports together in the in the back lawn with the neighborhood. Yes. Kids, I mean, all of that is is what, again, bonds people together. And so, again, I think it's always important as parents how important that is. And, and, and you notice it when it doesn't. And we always, we always expect that it's going to happen. But when it doesn't, it's shocking like we see here with the, the two royals. And so make sure you're aware of that and, and facilitate that with um, with the kids in your life. I thought this next point that Evita brought up, Rachel. Um, <laughs> she hears that a lot in our house, doesn't this she? Is, she, this is, this <laughs> she didn't is come up with this one. Rachel's this is a mantra. That we talk about. <laughs> Who you marry is the most important decision you will make. And we talk about this with our kids a lot because we, we full heartedly agree with this point. And by the way, we also think it's a crapshoot as well. Right. You, yeah. You get this, married. Is, this is a double-edged sword on that. Yeah. yeah. You, you, like I'm, I'm making a, the most important decision of my life, but I don't really have all the facts. I'm kind of, you know, I'm jumping off a ledger <laughs> and I hope this damn thing works, but I don't know. And as, as everyone can attest, you know, in their own life or people that they know, it's like, oh, this person's going to be wonderful, you know, in this, in this marriage. And all of a sudden, two years later, they're divorced. It fell apart. But who you marry matters. And as we see uh, with, with Harry and Meghan Markle. It, it does matter. And the points that Evita bring up is, and we, we talk about this a lot in our own family, you want a spouse who, when something goes wrong in the family, in your, in your family, you want your spouse to step in and go, now, hold on, honey. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's take it from their side and let's, let's try to build peace and, and civility as we go through some of these stressful, mm-hmm. you know, contentious times in families. That's what a really good spouse will do. A not so good spouse will throw more fuel on the fire of uh, when you're angry at your family. They'll be like, yes. And not only that, do you remember four years ago at Christmas when they did blah, blah, and blah? Listen, that's not what a spouse needs to do because it's in everyone's best interest that we kind of get through these challenging times. And you want an ally that's going to fight for, for peace and resolution, not for more anger and hate in these uh, fights. And it seems like Meghan Markle has not been one who's tried to bring peace. She's tried to bring probably more acrimony and more vitriol uh, for Harry as he thinks about his own family. So I interviewed Piers Morgan this week on on the topic of Harry and Meghan. And he says, you know, Meghan's a smooth operator. And, and you know, it, it's, it's easy to take that tack. It, it could be true. She's a smooth operator. She wanted, she wanted to marry the prince. She didn't want to do the work. And she just wanted to get rich from it. And she found the perfect guy, this beta male who's, you know, emotionally fragile. And she's just worked this whole thing. You know, there's another take. And you and I have talked about this before in prior podcasts about this. And that is that Meghan Markle simply doesn't know how to be in a family. Um, She has siblings, but they're like 17 years older than her. Um, She's from a divorced family. Those siblings are half siblings that didn't necessarily grow up, grew up, grow up with her in this, in the house. And so she was like an only child, you know, living in her mom's house and then an only child living in her father's house um, for the divorce um, settlements and the, and the arrangements that they made. And so she had this fantasy and she talks about this often, that she always wished she had this big family. She always wished she had all these siblings. Um, she didn't seem to build a relationship with the siblings she's had 
Um, she has, even though they're older now as an adult, she didn't seem to be building that. But she says that that's what she wanted. And she was really excited about entering into the royal family with this, you know, story, you know, big traditional history. And they do get together, um, you know, as a big group for, you know, really important um, events and Christmas and, and, and that sort of thing. But I just think she didn't know how to do it. I don't think she understands that being in a family, especially in a big family, is complicated. And it means you have to compromise and it means you have to let grievances, you know, run off your back and you have to, there's a lot involved. And instead of learning perhaps from Harry and some of the others, how do I operate in this family? She did what she did with her own family, which is cut them off. And, you know, you saw what happened with her father. Um, you know, he made one bad move of, you know, taking some money, you know, from a from some paparazzi, you know, during the when she first got introduced to all this craziness. And she literally cut him out of the wedding, the most important day of her life, and had Prince Charles walk her down the aisle instead of her own father. You can imagine how hurtful that was. And, and by the way, the dad had a heart attack shortly after. Uh, it was just really, really bad. That well, Rachel, said, I want to make this, go ahead, Sean. I, I want to make well, a point about culturally what that means. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you, make, you make the point that I'll, I'll jump in after that. Is, it, is, it, is your point about, no, you, about I don't want you to lose Megan? No. Well, I just want to say that this this idea of putting, uh, make it of, of your spouse being the most important decision in your life is totally countercultural. This culture says, A, you don't have to get married, um, for one. Two, um, your career is the most important thing in your life. Where you end up going to school, um, the prestige of that place, or, you know, there's there's nothing in the culture right now telling kids that young people who are thinking about romance, I mean, every, you know, lean in. Remember that famous book um, by Sheryl Sandberg? Uh, you know, she's held up as like the epitome of, you know, what, it, what a woman, empowered woman looks like. I mean, she says, put your foot on the gas pedal. Don't let go. Career, career, career. That's what it's all about. And a lot of girls are taking, young women are taking that advice and they're, you know, throughout their 20s and all the way into their mid 30s, they're giving their lives over to corporations and companies and their job and their careers. And they're not even making time to date, let alone think about who they're going to marry. And it, there's nothing more important than creating a life, a, a personal life, a love life for yourself. And I always tell young women, your love life, you know, if you're in your 20s and, and 30s and you're not married, your love life is your number one issue. Um, that's the most important thing. All your other dreams will happen if you marry the right person. And so focus on that and pick the right person. I think in the case of Harry, Sean, um, he picked Meghan Markle, who is gorgeous and beautiful and very smart. And unfortunately, she has her demons and she did not allow him to rise or didn't help him um, rise to the occasion of some of the conflicts he faced. Was Instead. It she went to the to the little devil on the angel and made some bad helped help to make some bad choices the, to justify it. Was it the knight uh, in Raiders of the Lost Ark who was protecting the the Holy Grail that said you chore, chose poorly? Yeah. Yes, he chose <laughs> poorly. Right. Um, yes, listen, he chose, but but he Harry chose Harry does not have a good example of a family either. And I, I, I coming into this. Yeah. 
topic, uh, we both agree that picking a spouse is a crapshoot. But I do think there's some yeah. things that you can do to guarantee that you get someone that's going to work for you as you make this most important decision of your life. And, you know, the things that are important, um, whether it's your faith, whether it's what kind of family structure were they raised in, what are their political beliefs, how do they want to raise their children, where do they want to live? I mean, you think about those things that are most important in life. Um, and if you share the, the same or similar values, again, yes. in families and faith and, and where they want to live and kind of how they want their, their families to be structured. Do they want kids? Do they not want kids? How many kids? Those are If you are on the same page on most of those things, I think you have a recipe for success. And oftentimes we hear people say opposites attract. You want to no, have- No, they don't. And no, they don't. You do not yeah. want to have people who have completely different views of the world. They might they might be attracted to each other at a night at a bar or maybe for a month after, but for a long lasting marriage, that doesn't work um, because your I life will be agree. full of fighting. You're going to fight about everything. Yeah. Wouldn't it be nice to, yeah. again, have someone that you have so much in common with and, and, and agree with that's such a good compliment for you and your view of the world? And so as I, again, I think this is there's the most so many important things thing. to fight about, Sean, right? There's yeah. so many things already to fight about marriage. Why would you want to fight about the very basic thing? Why do like you want to fight about whether Donald faith? Trump was a great president or a horrible president? Like, let's not fight about that. <laughs> we agree we that he was a great president. That. Right. I know. But if we you had to fight about, about that, that Sean. <laughs> people would have a problem. I mean, you got pro- you got real problems in your home. Um, and so anyway, I, again, think of I, I love that. By the way, Sean, we both love Ronald Reagan. We do. Um, we, ne- we always agreed on that. We always agreed on, you know, faith wise as Catholic. Um, so yeah, can, yeah can, most can, important can, decision. What, what, the, the, and yeah, you know what, when you have agreements on all these things, you're still going to fight. They're still going to have disagreement, right? There's it's just you're going to have far about. less of it. Um, so anyway, I think I think that's interesting. What was the what was the fifth topic that she brought up? The fifth was lessons was the, learned. It was actually the best. It was give lots of hugs. And so you know when Harry was was twelve, um, and he lost his mom in that you know infamous car accident, he revealed um, in the book that his dad did not hug him. And he, you know, he, he, he said his dad came and gave them the news and he was obviously emotional, um, but there wasn't a lot of, there, it, it was a tough moment, but there wasn't a lot of emotion showed. He didn't hug the boys, um, according to Harry. And um, so I think Harry, if you look at him and look at everything, he does look deprived of affection. And there, and it wasn't just Charles, um, you know, his mother was very affectionate, but it wasn't just Charles. His, his grandmother, I mean, that sort of, you know, British stiff upper lip thing it kind of plays in there. But Charles complained that, you know, at other points he's, he's revealed, you know, that his mother wasn't exceptionally warm towards or tender towards him. And that's sort of maybe a, a family trait. And I think he saw, you know, in Megan, you know, she she says that she's really quick to hug. And, you know, it's sort of, sort of an American thing, if you will. But again, showing affection and so her fifth tip is make sure in your family there's lots of hugs sean there's a lot of hugging in our family we do but can, can i i'm going to tell you guys a little personal story from my own life no i love this story go ahead so I'm, when, i was when, hoping you would tell this story, <laughs> thank you for not forcing it on me but I, I do want to share it because i didn't force it but it's a great story so when i was growing up um my my mom was a little bit of a hugger 
But my dad did not hug anybody. It was kind of like this Irish, cold, um, maybe he'll shake your hand kind of dad. And at one point, I must must have been about eight years old as well, seven, eight, nine years old. And there's 11 kids in our family. And so one of the older kids was having some problems and they they just like, we're going to go to counseling. And my mom and dad and my older uh, sibling, they started going to counseling. And I was too really young to understand what was going on and why they were going. But I I knew they were going to counseling. And one day, uh, my dad came home from counseling. And I was in the kitchen. I remember he came up and he gave me a hug. How old were you, Sean? I must have been, again, eight or nine. My dad hugged me. And I thought it was the weirdest ever. I'm like, bah! like I was all like this awkward kid that was getting hugged by his dad. It was foreign to me. It wasn't normal for me to have my father hug me. I got to tell you though, since that point, my dad is the greatest hugger. He's a, he's a hugging guy. He's wonderful. But that was a conscious transition he made. He, he saw that from his own family that not touching people, not hugging your the people that you love is kind of strange. And he flipped and switched. And it was great for me because I'm a wonderful hugger. I hug everybody. I'll, you, you know, are. You are a good hugger. But he broke that cycle in his exactly. family of cool coldness, of, of, of not showing affection with the ones we love by hugging them. Thank God he broke it for me that I didn't have to then figure out that I, why yeah. did, I guess I don't hug my kids. And my kids have a dad who doesn't hug them. We broke that cycle thanks to him. Um, but just note that if you don't hug your kids, you should. But if you don't, they're going to be weirded out by it. Because I was. I was like, this is strange. The first strange. time you do it, yeah. And you, we all think it's so normal. Everyone hugs, and hugs are natural. Well, if you don't get them, um, it, it, it's not a natural thing. And that's probably why Charles, who has never hugged himself, didn't have the capacity to hug poor uh, Harry when his mom died. And it makes you, it breaks your heart. I mean, what a sad sad. story to tell. And is it really Charles's fault? I don't, I mean, that's the way he was raised. But it's one of these things that if that is the story of your family, um, break that cycle. Because there's no better way to show, you know, you know, that you love someone and care about someone um, than giving them a hug. And especially on those bad days, the bad day you have, hugs are awesome. I love that story because it proves that you can learn to hug. Um, you can you can be the hero that breaks that cycle in your family if you're if you're a parent. Yes, you realize there's not a lot of hugging. I think growing up uh, when you and I first got married, you are a good hugger, but I think you were a little weirded out by how much Hispanic True. kiss their kids. Well, <laughs> was like this is a lie. <laughs> But now you're like that. I was good with hugging and kissing, but the Spanish thing of the you hug and kiss your kids all day and they're the most amazing things that have ever graced the God's green earth ever <laughs> was unique to me. Um, but as you know what, it, to, to have kids grow up and think they're special is a good thing. I don't want them to think they're special, you know, and they're awesome, you know, when they're not. Um, but right. they, they should have self-esteem that comes with my, no matter what happens in my life. My mom and dad are going to love me and they think I'm special. That's a really great feeling for a kid that gives them, I think, gives some confidence and self-esteem, knowing that no matter what happens, I, think, I got two people who I love think me. a child's self-esteem is directly related to the way their parents react to them when they walk into a room. You know, when I think about, you know, the little kids when they walk into a room, if the parents light up and they're just like, there he is and there she is and come over here and give me... That it, it's it's just you, you can't explain it, you know, and that is 
And I think, by the way, that's one of the problems with the phones that you might not even know the kid walked in the room if your head is in the phone. And that's that's a challenge for all of us parents. And I frankly, I really wish we lived in a non-phone world. Um, I, I, that would be my preference. If I, if I could change anything about the world, I would change that because, um, you know, that that's just it, it's something that's plaguing so many of us. Yep. But again, hugging so important family affection. And clearly he was affection deprived and felt like he got whatever he didn't get from his dad or whatever he missed because his mom was pretty affectionate with him. But she lost he lost her very early. He was you know, only eight years old. And um, I think he got that from someone else. But sadly, with Meghan Markle, she hasn't um, she hasn't appealed to his better angels. And that, and, th- and that's the story that we have right now. Again, sad that you can make a lot of money off of trashing your family. But there are some dysfunctional problems in the family that are deep that um, you and I um, and everyone else can learn from this rip. And we can just use this opportunity to go, how can we make our own families better um, instead of just enjoying the the gossip and all the stuff that's coming out of there. So just a heads up, sometimes Rachel and I, though we uh, we mentioned this, we, we see the world the same way. We do, we'll, we'll argue about certain things, um, big and small, but one of the things we'll argue about is, do we really have to do another Harry and Meghan podcast? <laughs> and so I'm just going to let everyone in on a little secret. Why did I agree to do this podcast again on Harry and Meghan? I did it because my theory, and I've said it before on the podcast, is if you want to save America, save your family. And happy wife, happy life. And what we're talking about here is how do we all save our families? And how when the families that we may not even have yet, how are we saving them? What are we doing to make our families stronger, to put Teflon on our families and our kids so these woke lefties can't get them? And again, hugging, having family dinners, picking good spouses, um, making sure these young kids have this brotherly bond. All of those things are important if we're going to preserve and protect this great nation and the ideas and values that our founders gave us. So that is the real reason why I did that po- this podcast, Rachel. I love that. Just so you one know. One family at a time. One you, family you, at a time. You can save America one family at a time. Lessons from the Royal Rift. If you want to read the whole article, it's on The Federalist. Um, check out that website. They always have great stuff. It's wonderful. And um, I'm sorry, Sean, that our podcasts have a lot to do with what's trending oh, on I the know. Daily Mail, but I can't help it. I love it. I know you do. Um, well, listen, I, anyway. it's, a, it's a good topic. And, it's, and again, I think it's always a reminder of how important these these things, when they go bad, we realize how important they are in our own lives to go right. So if you listen, if you've liked uh, this conversation, um, we've enjoyed it, uh, but you can subscribe, rate, and review this podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download your podcasts. And you can listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this uh, show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. So, wow, a lot of options there. But again, we love doing this. Thanks for joining us in this really important conversation about Harry and, and, and Megan. Actually, the important conversation. It about turned Harry. into a really important conversation, it did. Tom. It really did. Um, I hope everyone subscribes. Uh, thanks for joining us and have a great day, everybody. Bye bye.
from the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine.